Welcome to another enjoyable episode of the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your genial host, Andy Johnson, Dr. Andy Johnson. Today's topic is holding teachers accountable, the Reading League, and the Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment Exam, which is based on the Common Core State Standards. Now, beware of simplistic answers for complex problems. These simplistic answers, they are alluring, but alluringly ineffective. And one of these simplistic, alluringly ineffective answers to a complex problem is the idea that we can fix all problems in education by holding somebody accountable. We're going to hold schools accountable, they say. We're going to hold teachers accountable. That will fix things, they say. Hold them all accountable. And all the problems will go away, they think. Simple, pimple, easy peasy. We got to hold them accountable. It sounds good and so simple and so easy. Who could possibly argue with that? You're accountable, they say, and we're holding you to it. And you're accountable, and you're accountable, and you're accountable. You're all accountable. All well and good in the abstract. But we don't live in the abstract. Accountable. Accountable for what? By whom? How? With what? How often? And why? Hold teachers accountable. Now, I don't disagree with the premise, meaning I agree with the premise. I do believe that schools' teachers, as well as administrators, school boards, and state legislatures, should be held accountable. They should be held accountable for what they say and what they do, absolutely. Accountability is a good thing. And at the end of this podcast, I'm going to explain to you a very simple, sane, research-based way to hold schools and teachers and administrators and school boards accountable. And I'll give you a little clue up front. To hold teachers accountable, you have to do more than say, hold them accountable. Now, at the same time, all this accountability stuff, I also believe goofy-ass groups like Moms for Liberty and the Reading League should be held accountable for what they do and what they say in the impact of what they do and say are having on real students as well state legislatures legislators and radio journalists should be held accountable now let's take a look at the reading league if we're going to do all this accountability holding we need to hold the reading league the reading league minnesota the reading league wisconsin the reading league whatever state you're in needs to be held accountable and right now they're just saying stuff there's no accountability They'll say stuff like, we need to use evidence-based instruction. Very good. But you're assuming there are groups that aren't using evidence-based instruction. If so, what evidence-based instruction aren't they using? And please be specific here. What aren't they using and how often are they not using it? And to what degree are they not using it? What non-evidence-based instruction are they using? And how exactly do you define evidence-based instruction? What 
kind of evidence. What would I see if I looked at a reading class using evidence-based instruction? What strategies would be used? Please be specific. Be accountable. The Reading League. You're just using words. You either don't understand the words you're using, or you understand them and are using them anyway. And I don't know which proposition is more disturbing. But we need to hold you accountable for saying untrue and inaccurate things. Now, in academia, in an academic context, we are held accountable for the things we say, we write, and we do. When we publish, we cite our sources. We cite the research upon which we make our evidence-based claims. When we do research, it's subjected to blind peer review before it's published in an academic journal. And in an academic context, there is what's called academic discourse, where ideas are presented and dialogue takes place. But the Reading League and Moms for Liberty and Emily Hanford you exist outside an academic context where there's no accountability. You can say whatever you want to say. There's no accountability. Accountability to you is like oxygen on the moon. In academia, we have national organizations in our field. In education, we have the National Council of Teachers of English. It's been around for over a hundred years. The International Literacy Association has been around since 1956, almost 70 years. In these international organizations, there's been thousands upon thousands of researchers, scholars, teachers, and educators who have contributed to a wide body of research. There's a wide body of research, not one or two studies, to which we are held accountable. And these national or international organizations put out position statements and academic standards and peer-reviewed academic journals and webinars and conferences and people have discussions, they argue, they make their case for things using peer-reviewed research, and they continue to study, review, research, and evolve. The field of reading instruction continues to evolve. But along comes the Reading League and Moms for Liberty and Emily Hanford and Sarah Schwartz and they just start saying things. They say, hmm, I think I know more than these groups, they say. I know more than scholars and researchers who have spent decades doing research and scholarly work, they say. I think my personal experience and anecdotal evidence is much more accurate and generalizable than a body of peer-reviewed research conducted by thousands of literacy research over decades, they say. The data shows, they say. I've got data, they say. Data doesn't lie, they say. It's data. How can it be wrong? It's data, data, data. What happens when data goes wrong? Roger Chamberlain was a state senator here in Minnesota recently, and he exemplifies 
The Wrongness of the Reading League and Moms for Liberty and Emily Hanford and all the nonsense that goes in goes on in state legislatures all over the country. Minnesota State Senator Roger Chamberlain got himself some data. He looked at his data and he said out loud for everyone to hear, reading test scores are going down, he declared. I've got data. Data, they all exclaimed. He's got data. Marge, did you hear that? He's got data. Data, data. Oh, he's got data, data, data. And it murmured throughout the uh, crowd. Now, one of his data sources, his only data source, was the results from the Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment Test, or exam. They give it to students every year here in Minnesota. And based on this data, State Senator Chamberlain claimed that test scores in Minnesota were going down. However, what should be noted about this all-important test, which isn't all that important, is that test scores are never reported here. Rather, percentages of students falling into four arbitrarily defined categories are reported. And the categories are does not meet standards, partially meets standards, meets standards, and exceeds standards. So the Department of Education here in Minnesota reports the percentages of students falling into each of these arbitrarily defined categories. And then people like Roger Chamberlain run around shouting like a headless chicken little, the test scores are falling, the test scores are falling. But Roger, that's not quite right. As a matter of fact, it is wrong. Now, if you look on the Minnesota Department of Education website, it says in very, very small print, that's very, very hard to find, that the MCA test results should not be used for comparative purposes from one year to the next. It says that, Roger, right there. And you may have some data, but it's bad data. Or more accurately, it's data pulled out of context and misapplied. Data outside of context is blabber. Data apart from understanding is blabber. Data in the hands of an ignorant clown is data. Data, data, data. We got data all over the place. Now, something else to understand about the Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment exams. They're much like all the other state exams, but they're not norm reference tests. In a norm reference test, you compare test scores to a normal population and you get this lovely bell-shaped curve. You can then define with precision average, above average, and below average. But the state tests are not these kinds. The Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment Exam is not this kind of tests. The Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment Exam is a criterion reference test. Students' test results are not compared to a normal population. Rather, their test scores are put into four arbitrarily defined categories based on a set of arbitrarily defined criteria.
The Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment Exam is based on the Minnesota English Language Arts Academic Standard. An academic standard defines what students should know and be able to do at each grade level. Now, a group of people just got together and they arbitrarily decided what they thought students at each grade level should know and be able to do. I think third graders should know this, they said, and bam, it became an academic standard. I think fourth graders should know this, they said, and bam, it became another academic standard. Just like that. They just made it all up. And then they took it a step further. They took these academic standards, things that they arbitrarily decided that students at each grade level should know and be able to do. They took these standards and they made exams out of them. And they arbitrarily decided what scores would fall into each of the four categories. So when people say that students are reading above or below grade level based on the Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment Exam, they're not really accurate. Grade level is a score, an average-based score on a norm reference test. This is the average score for all third graders, you can say. Your child is above that or below that. Now, the Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment Exam is based on the Minnesota Language Arts Academic Standards and the Minnesota Language Arts academic standards are based on the Common Core State Standards for English Language Arts. The Common Core State Standards, academic standards, was put together by the National Governors Association. So this thing has its basis not in academia, but in politics. And that's never a good mix. So Roger Chamberlain, Heather Edelson, and other state politicians, what did they do? They ran around the state saying all sorts of kooky and inaccurate stuff. Like 50% of all students in Minnesota are reading below average. They said kooky stuff like that, but nobody held them accountable. And they said it over and over again. And they ran around citing each other to support each other's own inaccuracies. And suddenly it becomes ensconced in their head as reality. Now here's the thing, Roger and Heather. If you used a norm reference test with a bell-shaped curve, by definition, 50% are above the medium average median average, and 50% are below the median average. That's what average is. But that's far different from saying what they're saying. They're saying 50% of students are reading below grade level. And that's not right. No, 50% are reading below the median average, as we would expect in a normal population. And that is why Roger and Heather and Emily and Sarah, it's important to know what one is talking about before talking about it. But who's going to hold you accountable for saying really stupid and inaccurate stuff? So let's look at the content 
of the Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment Exam and the Minnesota ELA Academic Standards for Reading. Who's accountable for what goes in these academic standards? And again, the MCA exam for reading is based on the Minnesota English Language Arts Academic Standards. It's important to understand what these standards are. There's a whole bunch of them. Far too many academic standards to be practical. You can't standards your way to good teaching and learning. You can't standards your way to good reading instruction. Now, many of these academic standards, and we're going to look at two, are interesting things to include in a curriculum. That is, if used correctly, they can be a means to an end. But that end should be to enable each student to achieve his or her full literacy potential. That end should be the ability to use literacy for real purposes in the real world. The end should be to create meaning with print and to use print to create meaning. That should be the end state. And all these silly teeny tiny academic standards do little to move us towards that end. In fact, they impede progress towards that end. And as I said in Minnesota, these endless academic standards are made into the MCA tests. And these academic standards have little relevance to how real people use real literacy in the real word, world. But they're converted into stuff that can be measured on a two-dimensional standardized exam called the Minnesota Comprehensive Assessment Exam. And let me give you one example, Roger, of the utter uselessness of some of these standards. Here's a third grade standard. Students are to recount stories, including fables, folktales, and myths from diverse cultures, recount them, determine the central message, lesson, or moral obligation, and explain how it's conveyed through key details in the text. So a third grader has to recount things. They have to determine the central message, lesson, or moral, and they have to explain how that central message, lesson, or moral is conveyed through key details in a text. So let me unpack this, Roger. How often in your adult life have you had to recount a story, fable, folktale, or myth? And in any story, fable, folktale, or myth, when have you ever had to determine the central message, lesson, or moral? And in any type of narrative text that you've read, when have you had to determine these things, the lesson? And when have you had to explain how a central message, lesson, or moral was conveyed through key details? Why is this even a thing? When, Roger? Yes, you had data, but data without understanding is like shooting a bow without an arrow. Twang! And here's another one for third grade. Third grader must refer to parts of stories, dramas, and poems when writing or speaking about a text using terms such as chapter, scene, stanza, and describe how each successive part builds on an earlier section. When has anybody had to do this? 
This is not to say these standards don't contain some interesting stuff that could be included as a discussion or an activity. But is this the stuff that will get students ready to thrive in the real world? Is this related to anything in students' lives outside a school environment? You're just saying stuff. No accountability for what you say or the damage that comes. The Reading Law League, you just say stuff. Emily Hanford, you just say stuff. Sarah and Roger and Heather, you just say stuff. And it doesn't matter if the stuff that you say are right or accurate. You can just say stuff like, there's a reading crisis, or teachers aren't being prepared to read, or teachers don't know how to teach reading. Children are taught to guess at words. Children are taught to use the three queuing systems. Teacher preparation programs don't teach phonics. Teachers aren't doing their job. Reading scores are going down because of balanced literacy. Whole language is the cause of a reading crisis. And none of these things are true. But you keep on saying it and saying it and saying it. But here's the thing, Reading League and Moms for Liberty and Emily Hanford and Sarah Schwartz and Roger Chamberlain and Heather Edelson. You all got yourself a bad case of confirmation bias. Maybe you got it from a toilet seat. Or maybe somebody may have coughed on you. But you've got a severe case of confirmation bias and you're breathing on each other and it's spreading. This is what confirmation bias is. You believe something to be true, then you look for or notice things that confirm your pre-believed belief or bias. You think there's a reading crisis based on personal experience or anecdotal evidence or I thinkisms. Then you look for data that confirms that bias. And there's all sorts of wacky, nutty data that you can find to support this bias. And as Roger and Heather showed, there's data used without understanding. Emily, Roger, and Heather, you've decided that lack of phonics instruction is the cause of this alleged reading crisis that isn't because phonics is the only thing you know and understand about reading instruction. Just sound it out. Then you look for data that supports this idea. And yes, you can find bits and pieces of data strewn all over the place. Yes, you can pound unmatching puzzle pieces together to create a distorted picture of reality that you so desperately want. Yes, you can do that. You can do that. Absolutely. But the picture you've created with bits of data randomly duct taped together does not represent reality. But that doesn't stop you because you've got a platform and in the case of Emily Hanford, you're making lots of money. And in the case of Heather Edelson, you're getting lots of attention. And there's no accountability. So let's go back to holding teachers accountable. That's the focus of this podcast. Should we hold teachers accountable? Absolutely. But Roger and Emily and Heather and the Reading League, you keep pointing to test scores. 
simply because you can understand that 95 is greater than 85. You understand the concept of greater than and less than. So you believe that the purpose of our schools is to produce students who can get good test scores on achievement tests. That's the outcome you seek, not learning. But a couple of things. Standardized tests measure a very narrow range of thinking that's unrelated to reality. Very seldom in my adult life outside a school environment have I had to read a paragraph and select one of four bubbles to fill in. But that's the outcome you seek. Okay. And you're going to hold teachers accountable for this outcome, <clears throat> even though this outcome has little predictive validity outside a school context. Okay. And you want to waste millions of dollars and countless hours getting this outcome instead of learning. Okay. But in doing this, you make my point for me. You obviously went to schools where they focus on standardized test results and not learning. This is the kind of low-level thinking that occurs when the test becomes the curriculum, when you teach to the test. <clears throat> Real learning goes down. But accountability, consider this. How do we hold medical doctors, dentists, and lawyers accountable? By their practice. They can be sued for malpractice, but not maloutcome. And we would expect doctors working in a cancer ward might have higher death rates than, say, a dermatologist. And we would expect a high-priced lawyer working in a big firm in New York to have different outcomes than a public defender representing poor people from very poor neighborhoods. They can be sued for malpractice, but not maloutcome. So, if we really want to hold teachers accountable, and I do, real accountability, they would be responsible and held accountable for engaging in research-based practices. They would be held accountable for their teaching practices. These professional practices would not be determined by Moms for Liberty or a radio journalist instead by national accredited agencies such as the International Literacy Association. And to hold teachers accountable, just like doctors, we would expect them to have a body of knowledge. They would have to pass some sort of board certification related to this knowledge. And master teachers have four kinds of knowledge. A, content area knowledge, B, pedagogical knowledge, C, pedagogical content knowledge, and D, knowledge of learners and learning. Now, it's not possible for any teacher to get master levels of knowledge in three semesters of a teacher preparation program. So this means we need to hold teachers accountable for continued legitimate professional development. Legitimate, not the for-profit garbage like letters training or Orton Gillingham, but legitimate. <clears throat> and we'll hold schools accountable for providing that. We would expect teacher professionalism and we would treat teachers as professionalism. <clears throat> professional expectations, professional responsibilities, continued professional development. 
but then we would empower teachers to use their knowledge, experience, and expertise to make the decisions that are best for their students. And in so doing, test scores would go up. But that's not the point. Learning is the point. Teacher accountability is what they're doing in the classroom supported by a wide body of research or research-based theory. And not a two-dimensional cartoonish view of research presented by the Reading League and the Science of Reading Advocates, but best practices as determined by recognized international organizations who are experts in their field, like the International Literacy Association and the National Council of Teachers of English and the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics and the National Council for the Social Studies. We would look at the kinds of practices teachers are using in their classroom and their depth of knowledge related to the four areas described above. And here's the really, really sad thing about the Reading League and Heather Edelson and Emily Hanford and the Science of Reading Advocates. They're promoting educational malpractice. State legislatures, by their crazy reading laws, are forcing teachers to engage in educational malpractice every day. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson.